From one islander to another, Isle of Wight Radio proudly presents John Hannam Meets. Delighted to say my guest today is Annette Badland, who's currently in A Winter's Tale at the Shakespeare Globe. We're sort of backstage, and she is known, of course, as Charlotte from Bergerac, Mrs Dooley from The Queen's Nose, Margaret Blaine from Doctor Who, Ursula Crowe from Wizard vs Aliens, Babe Smith from EastEnders, and most recently Fleur Perkins from Midsummer Murders. <laughs> you get around, don't you? I do, and I'm also Horrid Hazel in The Archers. There's something. Yes, I know. <laughs> Hazel Wood. Yes, yes, yes. I've only played her as an adult, but um, took on the mantle of... I think adopted children can often be difficult yes. um, with their parents, and uh, so I based it on that, and, and having listened, having been a fan when I was younger. So, so was I. Yeah. <laughs> she was always in trouble, always been in trouble, yes, right? Yes, she life, has, really. yeah. Bless her. Yes, and you're currently rehearsing as well, so you're appearing in A Winter's Tale and rehearsing for another play. Yes, we're, we've just started rehearsing a new play called Eam, which is about a plague village in Derbyshire. It's set, you know, it's a true story. And they were very brave. The plague went in in Shakespeare's time um, on a piece of cloth. And they started to die, and they chose to quarantine themselves. So it was a village of around 300 and odd people, and they ended up being 78. So it's absolutely devastating. It's also the beginning of socialism, because they collectively decided to do this. We went on a field trip last Monday, and it was very moving, because they, um, they made their boundaries as far from the village as they possibly could, and left stones that they drilled holes in, which they would then fill with vinegar in the hope that it would kill the plague and then put their coins in there for goods, for supplies, for milk and bread. And uh, It was just horrific. And also, uh, looking at the cottages that um, remain, they'll have plaques outside and they'll have a litany of people who died. And it's one thing to go, yes, well, eight people from this family died. But then to see that three children died on consecutive days they must have been devastated and then there'll be a lull and they must have thought we might be over this we might be safe and four days later someone else in the family would die so it's an extraordinary story gosh not too many laughs then and well there are a few there are (laughs) (laughs) and i play a man I'm playing um, Thomas Stanley, who was instrumental in in guiding the people through this. When you were at East 15 Acting School, you actually uh, appeared as a maid in Private Lives. I did. So what do you remember about that? What was your (laughs) sort of ambition at that stage? Oh, well, I was uh, just starting at drama school and it was the summer holidays. It was my first summer holiday. And uh, one of my fellow actors went off to Southwold to do weekly rep for the summer season. And it was at the time when it was Catch-22. You had to have an equity card to get work, and you had to get work to get an equity card. So um, I got a telegram 
very old-fashioned, the days of telegrams, that said, female ASM all for bring own cap and apron. And so off I went with my suitcase and my cap and apron to Southwold. And I did, um, I did everything. I wound the curtain, I did the lights, I was on the book, and often on first nights you had more to say than the actors because it was weekly rep. <laughs> yes. The poor souls couldn't remember what they were saying or who they were or what, the, you know, what was next. And um, <laughs> Some uh, used to forget what play they were in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and as, well, as you said, I got to play the maid in private life. So my first professional word on stage was merde. <laughs> merde. Qu'est-ce que c'est que ça? is the first line she utters because she's tripped over something. So, yeah, glorious. And what did I want? I wanted to go to the RSC. I wanted to act, which um, I think nowadays lots of people want to be stars and want to be famous. And I just wanted to do the job. I wanted to get involved and, I guess, feel different, inhabit different worlds, different people, different ideas. And that's also what I still enjoy now, kind of moving in different spheres and different types of character. That was a sort of a, an ambition to do a variety. You've done stage, TV, movies, haven't you? Which is brilliant, really. Yes, it's, um, it's wonderful that I've had the opportunities, really. Um, I know some people uh, won't move in particular areas of the business. I think it's good to explore everything and find out. I first saw you... In Bergerac, which was right back 81 <laughs> to 84, wasn't it? And you had so many fans in that, didn't you? Yes, I know. And they Men were... used to love you, including me, because it was a <laughs> lovely role and you were so happy and jovial and everything, weren't you? Yes, it was interesting doing Bergerac because the producer felt he was taking a huge risk having someone chubby in the part and <laughs> as a receptionist and not, you know, a little skinny blonde girl. I'd been on Shoestring, I did an episode of Shoestring, and Robert Banks Stewart, bless him, liked what I'd done and asked me to do Bergerac, and as I say, took a deep breath and then was delighted when I was getting fan mail, and, <laughs> <laughs> and the audiences liked me. Well, lots of men like... Um... They do, the Rubenesque. Yes, <laughs> including me. <laughs> So that was a great step, well, a great TV start. I know yes. you've done smaller roles, but that got you seen, well, you did about 29 episodes, I think, and that oh, which was I, fantastic. you know better than I. Um, three series? Three or four series? Yeah. My first telly was Naked Civil Servant with John Hurt, so that, but it, as you say, small but very significant uh, uh, with Jack Gold directing, so that was pretty interesting. But Bergerac was the first series I'd been in. It was the first time I'd actually been a regular in anything. Comedy-wise, you did Troubles and Strife, and you also appeared with Hale and Pace and Dick Emery in the early days, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I've had some variety, haven't I? <laughs> I used to love Dick Emery, because he oh, was fantastic, wasn't yes, he? Yes, extraordinary. I remember being stuck behind him. In the days when BBC Television Centre in Wood Lane, you could actually drive it, you know, actors and, and performers were allowed in, so we could drive through the gates, and him be getting very cross. He had to present a pass and he obviously didn't have his pass with oh, him. Right. so he was furious the commissioner wouldn't let him in and whole hoo-ha going on me and my little Morris Thousand sitting behind him enjoying it and then I worked with him so great obviously a lot of people have done the bill you played about four different roles in the bill I think and, and about five or six in happy families but is it good going in as a different character occasionally well happy families was a children's series yeah. so we were like a rep company 
I mean, wonderful writing. Alan Arlberg uh, wrote the children's books. And so I still have handsome 40-year-old men who run up to me going, oh, I used to run home from school to see you. And so I know how old they are. They're usually sort of late 30s, early 40s. Um, but that's very important that, that you tell kids good stories when they're young and then they, you know, they, they examine different things and, it, it, you know, it gives them, you know, a whole new perspective on things. It's lovely. I enjoyed that very much. Going into the bill occasionally, that's interesting because I, you know, I was both good and bad. I was a murderer and I was once on the side of the law and, <laughs> you know... Uh, it's terrific, and it was a good group of people to be with, very energised. But I did think it was sort of, for them, it must have actually been like being in the police force, you know, sort of going in every day, clocking in and having to deal with all these cases. And a Queen's Nose, of course, you were in, weren't you? Yes, I was. I've done a lot of kids' telly, and I'm actually supporting a campaign called Save Kids Content, because we're no longer making a lot of children's television and it's not good quality we import american animation um so last year i was asked to get involved with the campaign and try and get the independent companies to start making children's programs again because the remit has fallen to the bbc to make them um but obviously with the law changing and no fizzy drinks and and sugary products being allowed to be advertised to children itv aren't caring to make very much so we need to encourage them yes (laughs) eastenders of course which was uh, 2014 to 2017 babe smith sort of maternal aunt weren't you (laughs) (laughs) a wicked aunt danny dyer's auntie i don't know there's a thing to be <laughs> Looking at the scripts, you had some great storylines, didn't you, Annette? Yes, really? I did. People go, Oh, you were horrible. You know, we enjoyed hating you. But I tried to make it come from the fact she'd never been loved, um, which was a big storyline in there with, you know, just loving Tim West and that never working out. And she would have given her heart to anyone, but for some reason it just never worked out the right way and so she became jealous and bitter and revengeful <laughs> didn't you substitute his ashes with custard <laughs> <Is> that right <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> and you burnt a caravan and lots of blackmail yeah and... well you know <laughs> when you meet people in the street and they sort of live east enders or coronation street when you're uh, not sure such a pleasant character do you get abuse or not really i had death threats i the police were involved yes gosh yes it's the first part i've had where people didn't come up to me and go they may or may not know my name but all liked you in cutting it oh i didn't care for that bit you did in this uh instead it was babe babe oh babe how are you? How's Babe doing? And you go, oh, they really think I'm on Babe. And, the, and then they may all, oh, we hate you. We, you know, and then they might say, oh, but we love to hate you. But yes, this man obviously took it very seriously and um, thought he'd scare me a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. Yes. <laughs> Will you ever go back? Will Babe ever return? You I have no idea. You haven't been I haven't off, been, a, oh, I haven't been written off and you I haven't, haven't been killed off no. yet. Um, but that does, that's no bar either, is it? No. <laughs> you can pop your clogs and return. Um, yes, I mean, it, it is true what they say about them becoming your family because you spend your 
life with them. You spend more time with your on-screen family than you do with your real family. So you make very strong bonds. And we still see one another, you know, and uh, I, I, you know, I'm very open to going back to, to see them and work with them. It's interesting because what I call sort of real actors like Timothy West and you and one or two others have recently started to go into soaps for a short spell, haven't they? Yeah. Which I think is good. Yes. It just mixes it up, doesn't it? I I got involved because I'd worked with the then executive producer, uh, Dominic Treadwell Collins, who has recently made a very English scandal with Russell T. Davis, who I've also worked with. So why wasn't I in that? (laughs) (laughs) And I'd done a film with Dom and uh, he invited me in and said, would you come and we can make her very Dickensian and, you know, have some fun and some good storylines with her. Um, And I'd never thought I would be in a soap. I'd done about three eps on Corrie when I was up doing uh, Cutting It in Manchester and they asked me to go on for just a little bit. But I knew that was finite, you know, that wasn't going anywhere. I had a pink poodle and did a belly dance, I seem to recall. (laughs) I think Um, your name was Thelma Clegg. It was Thelma Clegg. (laughs) Thelma Clegg. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Doctor Who, obviously... um, People always remember people that have been in Doctor Who. You also did a commentary on one or two, didn't you? Yes. If you're involved in the episodes, they might ask you to sort of do a running commentary on the the action and what was going on. So, yeah. And I was very lucky with that when I um, was asked to do the first two episodes that they filmed because they will never film the first episode of something first because they want to get the machine oiled and rolling and know what's happening with everything. So we shot my first two eps in the very first days of its regeneration, which was about July. And then at Christmas time, this other script popped onto the mat, Boomtown, which was a lead for me. And Russell had written, ran the gamut, you know, I had I have lines in it like "dinner in bondage works for me," um, or uh, you know, I'm the first character who takes the doctor task for his morals. Um, so it was just a fabulous present to have. Fleur Perkins in the twentieth series of Midsummer. Yes, Murders. the anniversary series. Woo! You're the pathologist. I am. Yes. I have a scalpel and everything, <laughs> and a black convertible Jag. And a few past husbands and some (laughs) boyfriends and some funny lines. Yeah, it's great. I'm not the love interest for the sidekick, which I think the pathologists have been in the recent yes, past. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Certainly in Lewis. So if that was your next question, no. <laughs> no, no. And Barnaby's marriage is perfectly intact and safe. <laughs> but it just sort of, I'm getting a rogue marble that can sort of rattle them round a bit. And uh, it, it was great fun to do it. It was lovely. And to move from a three-wheeler car in EastEnders to the Black Jag, I rather liked yes. as well. <laughs> You've done some great plays, Romeo and Juliet Loves Lavers Lost and you've done some wonderful stage plays over the years in it, haven't yes, you really? the rise and fall of Little Voice I particularly yes. yeah. love um, there's also the film Little Voice but I liked the stage production much more um, and we had a, an extraordinary time with Jane Horrocks and Alison Steadman was in the play Brenda's in the film uh, Pete Postlethwaite um, we started at the National and moved into the West End And it was fairly extraordinary. Jim Cartwright, the author of it, was called Can't Write at School. Right. (laughs) It was teased. But he 
right-seeming reality. It's poetry that, that seems like everyday life, but it's just beautiful, beautiful things, um, which, some of which I still use in my real life. Not my own lines, but... Um, Oh, little sparkle neck me uh, is what it, when someone's given a, a necklace and things in it. I said a lot of okays. <laughs> but someone said to me, oh, Sadie is um, the true Christian in it. She is generous to everyone and sees the good in it. You know, however much they hurt her, she always comes back and tries to help. So I loved Sadie May. Better than Babe, then. <laughs> a lot better than Babe. A very different kettle of fish. I was watching A Quiet Passion the other night, and all of a sudden you turned yeah. up on screen. Yeah, Aunt Elizabeth. Yes, yes. Terence Davis is wonderful. I love Terence Davis. Uh, yes, we shot that in Belgium. We went over to Belgium to shoot that, and they only did a few days in America. And again, fascinating. I love Emily Dickens' uh, poetry anyway. So to be involved in that was quite marvellous. You went in a Spitfire. I did. Yes. I Aren't won you it. Lucky? I won it in a in a competition. What's it was like? a, a raffle. It is the most glorious thing in the world. I went through every conceivable emotion because it was from Biggin Hill. So I never win anything. So the letter came and it said, "Dear Miss Badland, you have won a prize." So I you know, hollered upstairs, I've won a prize, I've won a prize. <laughs> you have won first prize. David, David, I've won first prize. Alas. David, just my luck. And what it was, um, the original prize had been to fly alongside a Spitfire and observe it. And the company had gone bust. So the new prize was to be in the Spitfire, which I thought was much, much better. So we went off to Biggin Hill um, and I was absolutely thrilled and, it, you know, really ecstatic. And then they showed us the safety video. <laughs> and things turn round a bit because they show you how to lower your seat, knock the cockpit out, or something else. And then they say, and it, you know, when the pilot says jump, 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 you jump, but you can't jump. You have to have the ability to slide down the edge of the plane because if you jumped, you'd just hit the tailwind. <laughs> so, and then they say, and if the pilot doesn't have time to say jump, 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 just jump. So now I'm terrified. I've been thrilled. Now I'm terrified. Then we went to the plane and you, you know, you go have all the equipment you're tied in with your parachute and all the rest of it. And then we trundled off down um, and I... I got very moved because you think of all those young men who lost their lives, who mm. flew out of Biggin Hill. Mm. Then it is the most, I can't remember who said it, I think it was probably a female pilot who used to deliver the Spitfires, but she said it's like putting on a coat, and it is. It's human scale. You feel you're in the air with you, as you were with a, as a child, with your arms outstretched, just up there flying, flying, flying. They've told you how to use the joystick and not to move it very much. And there came a point, because the pilot was in front of me, he, mm. and he had a mirror so he could see me, and he said, right now, you can fly it. Ooh. And I could hear my voice going, are you sure? I should, do you think I would? And he put his hands in the air and he said, no one else is. <laughs> so I had to take Wonderful. the choice. It is fabulous. And we did a victory roll. And it, oh. they, he said, are you up for that? And I did. But it re I can't tell you. It is, it, it's the most 
glorious feeling. You just do feel you're flying in the sky. Um, it wasn't a scary sound. It's, I mean, we all know the noise of the Spitfire, and it was just one of the big highlights of my life. It really was such a wonderful, wonderful day. That and being in the final were pointless, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yes, why yes. didn't I remember Richard II and Edward II? Why, why, why? <laughs> um, yeah, I thought we'd won. One point. We lost by one point. Oh. And I thought Neil had done it because he, he gave the final answer and I turned to him and said, you you did that! And then turned back and there was a single point on the pointless-ometer. Yes, so I've got a little glass trophy on my bookshelf. We'll have to go back and see if we can redeem ourselves. Yes. So you're here at the Shakespeare's Globe, currently in the Winter's Tale, which goes on for a few weeks yet, doesn't it? Oh, months. We, are on, yes. we, we run both plays, so we finish on the 14th of October. Wonderful. Yes, and you play in all weather conditions. Then We never cancel if it's raining, snowing, hailing, bright sunshine. We carry on. Have you got sort of ambitions left or have you done everything you want to do, really? Oh, you've never done all you want to do. But I think it's dangerous to think, oh, by then I want to be doing this. I just like that it changes all the time and you never know where things are coming from or what might be offered. And um, Exploration. Don't stop. Keep, keep trying different things, really. Degenerates, is that something that's coming up? Ah, you know about degenerates. Well, I know a bit about it. Right, (laughs) it's a young man who actually was a third AD on EastEnders, and I could see he's bright and intelligent and funny, and he's made his own feature film. And we spent last year trying to grab days to help him, and he's finally got it all edited, and I'm going to a showing in September. So I can't tell you much about the final product. I might be hardly in it or I might be way up there. I've no idea. But um, I think he deserved, you know, all the help he could get. I think he will go far. Callum Crawford is his name. Annette, thank you for your time. It's a busy day because you've got rehearsals again in in a minute. (laughs) Yes. Can I just ask you finally, what do you do right away from acting? What's your turn-off, really? I love gardening. I love my garden. I swim. I like swimming. That also helps. Because you get very... Well, all of us now, I think, the pace of life, the demands on us, you just need to stop for a while. So when I'm in the water, the sound's very different. I just can absorb myself in that. Um... And the garden is my great resource. I just have to go out there and breathe and look at nature and go, gosh, this is amazing. And I put the plants in and they do this and they survive the winter (laughs) and they come back. Um, Yeah, gardening's my big thing. I've been wanting to interview you for many, many years and thanks for your time. It's been a great buzz to come up and meet you. (laughs) My pleasure. Having been one of those... And I love the Isle of Wight, by the way. Oh, do you? (laughs) (laughs) I've only been once, but we just had a fantastic time. So interesting and so varied in a small kind of space. It's wonderful. Thank you so much and I wish you continued success during your career and look forward to seeing you uh, for years to come. Thank you very much indeed. My pleasure. Thank you. It's great. He's got a swell personality. He meets and greets the stars with such amenity. Good enough to make you coming out of the street. John Hanami. That's right. Grateful thanks to Annette Badland. What 
a lovely lady. She's appearing at the Shakespeare's Globe until October the 14th in A Winter's Tale and also she opens on September the 15th in Eam, which runs until October the 13th. So, she's in both shows and luckily the performances are at different times, which is just as well, really. You've been listening to John Hannah Meeks, courtesy of Isle of Wight Radio. Don't forget to look at my website, johnhannam.com, for news of more interviews and how you might purchase my books. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>